14 minutes it is after 8pm and uh, it's time for our exchanges that uh, focus on the world of business and in particular the, that of small business and uh, we bring this to you every Tuesday and this evening we try and make sense of some of the uh, uh, small to medium sized enterprises that uh, continue to uh, make a foray into the retail space. I was thinking of one manufacturer of footwear the other day uh, that uh, certainly no doubt many of you would be familiar with Batu and uh, the rapid expansion that they've undertaken. And if you think about other brands uh, that uh, are operating in that space who have also gone into the traditional uh, you know, shopping centers and the malls and the like, makes one wonder. I mean, uh, you know, you go to any mall now and you find that plaster put in on some stores there uh, with the name of the landlord, uh, which just shows you that uh, many places have closed down since uh, the onset of this pandemic on our shores here in South Africa. And this evening, we try and make sense of uh, the uh, prospects and the possibilities for small businesses, uh, especially as it relates to taking up leases with many of our shopping malls. And the big question we're asking this evening, is it always advisable to do so? And uh, more importantly, uh, is this maybe a perfect opportunity where landlords find themselves under the conch and uh, in some uh, semblance of difficulty? Is this the time uh, to uh, potentially be negotiating some concessions when it comes to the rentals and to some of these leases. No better person to speak to us about this than uh, Mona Lisa Sam, who's a retail property expert with a considerable amount of experience in the space. And uh, I welcome her now. Good evening to you, Siswam, and welcome. Good, mo- good evening, Yabuanga, and good evening to your listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out uh, to speak to us. I mean, we thought when it comes to this, <laughs> uh, certainly with experience uh, in many places, Cavendish, The Zone, Maponya Mall and elsewhere. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I want to find this out. Uh, we often hear this story that, uh, you know, shopping malls are the guys who have these anchor tenants who determine who must be there and who shouldn't be there. And, you know, the rentals are crazy and all of that. Uh, and some people are suggesting that COVID-19 has changed that. I mean, if you look at occupancy in many of these malls, uh, probably many of these landlords are more open to a deal now uh, than maybe where they were in January 2020. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And <laughs> <laughs> that lease agreement is going to show you your life. Um, in, are are in we just situation. all too excited? I, I mean, are we all too excited that I'm going to get a place, uh, you know, at a big shopping center with a lot of footfall that we probably don't read some of the detail there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's every retailer's dream. A Cavendish was born, mm. and and it's a it's a it's a it's a dream, you know. But the dream comes with actual dynamics and mechanics that a lease agreement will will capture for you. And so, first and foremost, you know, you must remember that the lease agreement is drafted by the landlord. Uh, so, a legal representation which ensures, for all intents and purposes, that the landlord is protected from an income perspective. I think it's important for us to understand that landlords don't just wake up and decide to build these nice shopping centers for all of us to go to. It's an investment decision, and uh, a lot of these landlords are re- represent uh, private and, and public uh, pension houses. So these are people's uh, investments that go into the decision of a shopping center. So it must make money. And the way for it to make money is through rent. Um, so, so, so here you now you have this lease agreement which governs how, when, and how much the landlord can project to make 
from a particular development. Mm. Now, for the small business, in the excitement, um, I think a lot of them overlook to look at the detail. And for me, I think the big thing first and foremost is that your business case must be built against your lease agreement. Because your lease agreement tells you, first of all, how much rent you're going to pay each month. It tells you, Uguti, uh, when is your increase of rental. It tells you all sorts of things in terms of additional costs of occupancy, uh, which will be things like electricity, something that can really blow you out of the water if you haven't projected for it. Security costs, marketing costs. So, so you're in for it. It's a big commitment more than the commitment that you have in whatever you are selling, be it fashion apparel or a restaurant, it's a massive commitment. And you will invariably, this will be your largest operational cost after staff cost if you obviously have a large staff operation. So the thing is, people don't read those terms. They don't project what I call a low road which is to say, give yourself as a small business a look in the mirror to say, what is the worst that can happen um, insofar as me not making enough to, to, to pay my rent and my staff? Because that's your worst, right? Any business, it doesn't matter whether you're in a retail environment, if you can't pay your occupancy or you can't pay your staff, you, you're really out of business. So a lot of uh, small businesses overstate their success, and remember the landlord analyzes your uh, business case against what they now project Mm. to be income from you. It is not just that fixed rental that you are going to pay every month. The landlord also wants to dance with you on the dance floor when you make lots of money. Hence, you have a term called turnover rental, which is the one that kicks people over because now when you make a certain, uh, over a certain threshold, the landlord wants a percentage of that. So now you're sitting with a situation where you can't pay your fixed rent and you can't pay your turnover rental. It's obviously a problem for the landlord. Obviously, there are recourses and options, uh, particularly I think some of, of many that we've seen over the last couple of months where landlords do uh, offer rental relief packages, uh, particularly for retailers that were hard hit the most. You'll remember, we're thinking, we COVID, mm. there were different levels and essential services declared. So, I mean, hair salons, restaurants, fashion, all out. Um, so, so they would have needed to make assessments to say, who do we save um, and who do we potentially enter into a dispute with. Now, a dispute constitutes a situation where you and your landlord are not agreeing. And in this case, a case may be that you can't pay your rent anymore. And a lot of the lease agreements in South Africa did not make a forecast for a pandemic Mm. like this one. So you have forecasts like um, a natural disaster, a flood, and, and all of that or an act of God, uh, but not a pandemic. So a lot of landlords essentially didn't know what to do more than to enforce terms of the lease agreement. And the biggest term to enforce is to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot did, of did, did we see any payment holidays, uh, Mona Lisa? Because yes, I mean, I'm thinking did, just yeah. in that context, I mean, if, if somebody, if you go to somebody and you knock on their door and say, look, pay me. And then they say, look, I can't because I haven't been in operation for the last three months or so. I mean, yeah. 
you know, th- th- there's the trade-off. Do you lose that person as a tenant and deal with, you know, heavy uh, uh, occupancy uh, or low occupancy for a long period of time? And what implications does that have for the landlord themselves? Yeah, look, I'm sorry, it's a... what do you make of some of those who are expanding their retail uh, shopping center footprint during this moment? Uh, I made an example of one entity earlier on in the footwear space. Uh, but seemingly, I think some are seeing this as an opportunity to expand uh, into all of these areas with high footfall and uh, I guess uh, potentially uh, a lot of customers to interact with your brands. Yeah, look, I think it depends which... Mona Lisa, I can't let you go without asking you a question on <laughs> what you make of, of what's happening in the REIT space. Um, now, these are the guys, you know, who create real estate investment trusts, uh, some of which, I guess, you know, have some exposure to, to retail property in the sense that we're discussing now. And mm. the role of debt, because, you know, many of them went for a very long time, you know, carrying a considerable amount of debt. We're in a low interest uh, rate environment now. What, what is the prospect, I guess, of, of many of these REITs, uh, I guess, being able to weather the storms that COVID might come with? Uh, what would successive waves uh, of the virus anticipated to uh, wreak some havoc? Sure, it's a... Yeah, Mona yeah, you know, I guess the answers aren't simple. Um, and uh, many of us, as I was saying when, when I started this segment, are interacting with the spaces where we would ordinarily shop, uh, finding those a lot emptier uh, mm. than maybe uh, what they would have been uh, at this time last year. Uh, sure. And I guess may- maybe that last comment there for many people in that ecosystem, not just the consumers, but even many of those who are working in some of these establishments, uh, how can landlords and even the property management industry uh, enable and facilitate the return of some of those that um, can potentially be viable back into uh, in, into some of their spaces? Yeah, I'm so sad that after all... Do we need the mega malls after this? Um, do we still need those massive, you know, malls that uh, just were competing on floor space and everything else? Yeah. Do, do we still need those? Look, I think the the developments that were earmarked for 2020, 2021 have all come to a halt. Uh, a lot of consumers have migrated to convenience shopping centers because they want to come in and out if you're anxious, obviously, about COVID. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more activity being focused on the existing infrastructure versus trying to build something. We, we have too many. I think we have the sixth largest number of shopping centers in the world. So even before COVID, we were over-indexed. And so we've got to sweat these assets as, as, as much as we can. Sure. Yeah. Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have to leave it there. I guess uh, quite a sobering account of what might potentially have to happen there and the implications that that has for small business. But a real pleasure catching up with you. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That there was uh, Mona Lisa Sam speaking to us, a retail property expert uh, with a considerable amount of experience in that space, talking about some of the latest developments in that space, uh, where the uh, challenges around diversifying the offering, uh, keeping your anchor tenants and, uh, I guess, uh, occupancy up uh, in many of uh, the shopping centers, said to be a challenge uh, into the foreseeable future as we continue to grapple uh, with this virus.